Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here all by my lonesome once again. Martin is busy with some paperwork, unfortunately. Uh, of course, you all know he's a busy guy. He's got his own business, and we, you, we probably talk about his business more than you all appreciate. It's just like I am a big fan of like antiques uh, and, and history and stuff, and that's what he does. He is an antique appraiser, so he does some really cool stuff. He gets to look at some really cool stuff, and he's off uh, busy right now. So the show must go on, and I've got a lot of news to talk about anyway. But for those of you who don't know, welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio, where we cr- cover credible UFO news and information from a journalistic point of view. So we share with you substantiated information. If we speculate, we call it speculation, whereas the majority of people out in this field, unfortunately, are are speculating and just kind of guessing and uh, about stuff. But I like to show and share the real substantiated, real credible information, or at least what mainstream and and uh, people out there in, in the mainstream are doing. So, And there is so much interesting stuff going on right now. In fact, our guest today is called UFO Joe. Joe Mergia is his name. And he is out there posting really cool stuff, just like Danny Silva from uh, the last show. Uh, Joe is looking at stories and, and related to some of the credible stuff coming out and sharing some of the things that some of us are missing, or he's going to events where some of us aren't, and he reports on that. The other thing that he does that is really, really helpful is that he creates transcripts. So for instance, you know, I was in Alabama with the Scientific Coalition for Ufology, and uh, Lou Elizondo was there, who used to run the Pentagon UFO program. And Joe has already gone and made a transcript of that whole thing, which is so extremely helpful for people like me who are writing about it so we can have, you know, written down all everything that they've said, uh, which just saves us so much time when we're doing research. So really great stuff that Joe does. So I wanted to have him on the show to talk a little bit about what he is up to, like what he does, how he got into this stuff, just to introduce you all to Joe and his work because he's someone that I think is really important that uh, you all need to follow. Uh, He's a freelance cameraman and director of photography on his own, so he's worked on some cool TV shows and stuff, and we're actually going to be talking about that during the interview. So a great show today. I think you all are going to really, really enjoy it. We have some exciting shows coming up. Oh, that reminds me. By the way, so... As you all know, like it's expensive to do this stuff, to do these podcasts and to uh, share all this information I do and everything. And there's very little that I get in return. Like there are some ads that run here on Blog Talk. And so I do make a cut on those. But I've been looking for routes because I don't want to have to, you know, get some other jobs that take me away from 
focusing on all of this stuff. And I don't think you all want me to either. So here's what I'm asking you all to. If you can all please, if you can afford it, please become a $1 patron on Patreon for me. Please, I'm asking you to do that because that really helps me out. And here's what I pledge to do for you. Because as you all know, if you've been following for a a while, I don't ask people to do uh, something for me without giving something in return. So um, if you become a $1 Patreon, then I will post uh, early, like as early as I can, who my guest is going to be for the following show. And then you can also post your questions for that guest. So here's a little sneak peek. You all know that I've got Lou Elizondo coming up, but I've also got uh, Eric Davis coming up, Dr. Eric Davis. Now, he's a physicist that has worked on all of these programs. So he's worked with Bigelow Aerospace, who got the ATIP uh, project or contract to work with ATIP, the Pentagon, on their UFO stuff. They've also worked for years on other paranormal things, including the wild and crazy Skinwalker Ranch. So we'll be able to ask Eric Davis a lot of stuff about that. If you go to my Patreon, you'll see there's a a hidden or a a post there about my next guest and asking questions, but you're not going to be able to click on it and submit your questions unless you're a patron. So I apologize to those of you who might be frustrated. Why do they have to charge? But you know what? It's not free for us to do this stuff with. And, you know, uh, just like anything, if uh, people can't sustain doing it, then they leave. And there's a lot of people who have had to leave the field or just really severely uh, decline how much they can do because uh, they just don't have the time to do it. So uh, help keep me doing this. And if you appreciate it, I think a buck a month is not very much, right? And uh, and that's all I'm asking. So if you become that first level patron on Patreon, links are all over the place, then uh, you'll be privy to this information. I also promise to share with you little interviews and snippets uh, that I talk to. You know, I'm always out there interviewing or hanging out with UFO people or paranormal people. So I'll post on a regular basis just uh, little Q&As or little audio clips uh, when I meet these guys, some questions that you all may have so that you're going to get some inside information nobody else is going to get. Uh, so I'll provide you a lot for that $1 a month. So please do that. That'd, that'd be very much appreciated. And you'll be getting a lot of stuff that I think that you want. But um, before let's we get to the interview, let's go ahead and I'll continue to give you all of this free stuff that I give, uh, which is including talking about UFOs in the headline. So check out, let's check out UFOs in the news. And there was a lot of news going around. So first of all, I want to talk about some of the posts that I've posted on Open Minds TV. So there's a couple things here that I think are really going to interest you all. So uh, there was some news and I have kind of an exclusive image and it wasn't exclusive. It wasn't given just to me. I'm just the only one to post it thus far. But uh, the History Channel provided some information in their press portal about the History Channel upcoming show that is covering Lou Elizondo and the Pentagon UFO project and also the To the Stars project. And uh, they're premiering the show on May 31st. So you can see that uh, in the links there on Open Minds. Also, I did a little interview with Lou Elizondo where I asked him about, you know, there, there are these two terms for this Pentagon project, the Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Application Program, OSAP, 
or ATIP, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. What's the difference? Why did the name change? And why is only one of these uh, names or acronyms, why does only one of them appear in the New York Times article? So I'm sure this is a lot of questions that you all have. There are a lot of people that were curious about all of this. So I cleared all that up and wrote that in a little article that I have on Patreon. Now, that is viewable for free. Uh, I also have a link here on the front page of openminds.tv. So you could check that out. And then I think last week we talked about my other Patreon post that I have out there, three items that cast doubt on the study used to close Project blue book. And that was really just to show, hey, if there are people out there that are doubting the Condon report, and the Condon report was used to close Project Blue Book, uh, there's 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 a legit reasons why. There's legit reasons why to uh, doubt the conclusion that uh, Professor Condon came to that there was no use at studying UFOs. And so I go over that in that article. But uh, yeah, these are some interesting things that you'll want to check out. And I guess just to answer that question for you also that I asked Lou about, from OSAP to ATIP is what I call it. Uh, why? Essentially, what he says is, and we've heard this from George Knapp's interview and from others, OSAP, which a lot of people don't realize, covered the entire paranormal gamut. So it was investigating a lot of paranormal stuff. This, uh, as we learned first from George Knapp, and, and is covered a little bit in the New York Times, was because of Skinwalker Ranch. A DIA agent had gone to Skinwalker Ranch. He had a paranormal experience. Uh, this was after 2005, so this was after the book came out about Skinwalker Ranch that George Knapp, the journalist and uh, the lead scientist for Bigelow Aero, uh, Aerospace, or at the time the National Institute for Discovery Sciences, uh, Colm Kelleher, wrote that book with George Knapp. So the book comes out, this DIA agent wants to to check it out. Uh, according to George, there wasn't any paranormal stuff that they had witnessed for a long time at the ranch, but the CIA agent goes out there, has, I guess, this extreme, like, crazy experience. He goes back to Washington, D.C., says, Harry, uh, talks to Bigelow, Bigelow, and uh, and he, according to Reed and the New York Times, approach Harry Reed and say, hey, we have to look into this. Harry Reed says, I agree, and then he goes and gets funding for the project. We know that from the New York Times, but the New York Times said the funding was for ATIP. But we found out the first name for the group was ASA, ASAP, essentially. So why didn't the New York Times mention that? Well, it turns out Lou was one of their interviewers, but from what he gathers, the New York Times didn't know that ASAP, ASAP existed first. And it wasn't Lou's program. Lou didn't join until later on, and he joined ATIP. And uh, so he didn't feel at liberty to disclose ASAP, just ATIP. So he told them about ATIP, so they ran with that. Later on, George Knapp and others were able to release information about ASAP, and there's more out there about it. And I've got links to all of that in this story. Uh, the big difference was that, you know, all this stuff, weirdness that was happening at Skinwalker Ranch, and you all, if you've been with me for a while, I've interviewed a lot of people about it. Uh, and of course, Jeremy Corbell did that film uh, documentary on it recently. A lot of weirdness happened there. And uh, like George Knapp told us, there were a lot of people in the government who, under re for religious reasons, thought this was demonic and that we shouldn't investigate it. So Ace OSAP was getting a lot of heat. In the meantime... In the background, they decided, well, let's start a less controversial uh, subgroup called ATIP, and that's just going to focus on military UFO cases. So that's the difference. OSAP Paranormal, 
ATIP is just UFOs or UAPs or AAVs. These other acronyms for UFOs that they've used. Um, as time went on, OSEP kept getting hate uh, from these very powerful religious groups that wanted them not to investigate the paranormal in the way anymore. And eventually, as time went on, OSEP was kind of destroyed. It was gone. And all that was left was ATIP. Then in 2010, Luis Elizondo takes control of ATIP. He moves it to the office of the Secretary of Defense where he works. And uh, it continues investigating UFOs, supposedly to this day. Um, although they've changed their name, interesting enough, and, and to kind of be hidden for cover. Lou admits this. Uh so they don't, they're not called ATIP anymore, but they're investigating UFOs. So the whole strategy to, to create ATIP is kind of to save the UFO topic at least, um, to see if they can pull that out of the program. And if uh, that was going to be less controversial, that they wouldn't, you know, get all the heat that ASAP got so they can continue doing the UFO work. And it seemed to work because ATIP didn't get uh, canceled or at least attacked like uh, OSAP did. So that's how this all came about, which uh, I think if you look at all the timelines, it makes sense. So some people still might have some questions out there, but at least for me, that pretty much clears things up. I might have left some stuff out, some details and things, but it's in my articles there on Patreon, but there's also links to it at my blog, at the UFO Congress blog, and on openminds.tv on the front page. So there you go. So that's that story. Um, a lot of fun. But uh, some other news out there. So there's a story from the Star Tribune, and I believe this is in uh, Florida, this paper. But it says, why scientists are starting to listen to UFO believers. So this is really cool. And it's essentially because of this Pentagon program coming out. This thing is talking about how, you know, people didn't really listen to UFO people. It covers the Mutual UFO Network. It shows Kathleen Martin, whose aunt was Betty Hill of Betty and Barney Hill, the first publicly, you know, publicized uh, abduction story. And uh, it essentially goes into uh, the Pentagon program and MUFON and how there are more serious people paying attention to the UFO topic. So it's a really good story. I really like it. Uh, let's see what else we've got. A story in the Detroit Free Press, and this is in Bob Lazar Area 51 documentary, Directory Investigates UFO Whistleblower Story. So we've had Jeremy Corbell, this filmmaker, on our show quite a bit, and we'll have him on again because he's a buddy, he's a good guy. Um, and uh, like I just mentioned, he did the Skinwalker movie earlier this year, but he's also done this Bob Lazar Area 51 documentary. So it's getting... Uh, more attention, even though it's been out for a while. Essentially, I think that one of the reasons it's getting a lot more attention is that they were on Joe Rogan. Or no, they weren't on Joe Rogan, I should say. They want to be. But Joe Rogan has been talking about the movie quite a bit. And uh, I guess he saw it and he liked it. So they might be on Joe Rogan to talk about it. But uh, they were on Larry King not too long ago with Bob Lazar talking about all of this. So, yeah, so the movie's still getting a lot of attention, which is good. So there's this Q&A and this long story in uh, the Detroit Free Press that you all can check out if you like about the film and everything. So it looks like it's going to be part of a film festival out there as well. So exciting stuff that way from our good buddy, Jeremy. Here's another one. 
UFO fund shuns little green men to buy satellites and rockets. And this is in Bloomberg. So essentially, the ticket symbol UFO is finally being used. And it is being used by uh, for space-related reasons. But unfortunately, it was snatched up before it could uh, you know, cover any UFO-related business in the business field. In fact, what it's going to be looking at is satellites and rockets. So there's going to be a UFO uh, ticker essentially out there uh, for the stock market, but uh, and that's going to be covering different companies uh, in satellites, rockets, and uh, and in you know like the commercial space and everything. So it's going to be a good ticker to watch. But that's kind of interesting that they chose UFO for fun, of course. To uh, cover that stuff. Another story here in the mycowartha.com, which is uh, from Petersboro, and I guess this is in Canada. Uh, this is a story about a Canadian researcher. So, this researcher is um, a PhD student at Trent University, and he noticed that the Canadian government has a lot of files on UFOs out there. So he decided to do his research on this, to look at these files and to see what they have in them. Now, his interest was not necessarily in the paranormal itself. His interest is to look at how the public and the government interface or their a lack of. So what he says, here's how he describes it. It's a socio-political study about the conflict between citizens and the government in an uncertain post-war period. Sounds very academic, doesn't it? He says, it almost has nothing to do with UFOs. It's more about Canadian identity and how they were trying to choose their identity. But he does talk about how there are some interesting cases there. He says that it would it's pretty much ridiculous. He says, I would find it absurd if life didn't exist elsewhere. So he's convinced there is life elsewhere. However, looking at these files, he says, there is no proof that we're being visited from aliens in the files, but that there are some interesting cases. And since this newspaper was in the Petersboro area, they do talk about a couple of the sightings in that area. But uh, this guy seems great, personally. He looks like a, a hard thinker. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm partial to the academics that are taking a serious look at this field in, in many different aspects. So uh, I applaud this guy. In fact, I'm going to hunt him down and try to get him on the podcast at some point. But uh, his name is Matthew Hayes. And of course, you'll find this link at the front uh, on the front page of openminds.tv. We also have another article from Mr. Luis Elizondo himself. He's been writing some articles on Medium, as you all know. Mostly these are kind of opinion pieces about his perspective and why we should be kind of more open-minded and kind of really essentially more intelligent when we think about UFOs and stuff like that. And that's the nature of this story as well. Stop thinking about UAPs in black and white. So essentially what he's trying to say is... That uh, we don't need to need necessarily need to say they're aliens or not aliens, that uh, we need to be a, a little more intelligent about how we're looking at this. We need to follow the data and look at things and kind of uh, that there's a lot of stuff out there. So there could be many different things, uh, more than one solution to every problem. There could be a lot going on here when it comes to this topic rather than just aliens or not aliens, you know, instead of this just A or B kind of uh, thing. So, yeah, so we've got to really check this out. This is a great article by Lou uh, on Medium. 
Oh, and here is something else that's really interesting. So you might have been seeing this going around online. And it is interesting. I mean, I think it's a little bit jumping to conclusions, but there was a panel uh, in the Congress. They had a hearing about the Space Force. So as I've talked about, we already have a U.S. Air Force Space Command, and they want to create a new Space Force or uh, Space Command. And so what they've decided to do is instead of having it its own branch of the military, for now having it under the Air Force to be headed by the guy who heads U.S. Space Command. So I'm not sure. I still am unclear on the difference between our current Space Command and what this new one will be doing. However, there have been some hearings, and one part was very interesting. So Senator Blumenthal, he's a pretty important guy, and uh, we see him on the news quite a bit talking about various things. He's um, on the uh, CNN quite a bit. But Senator Blumenthal, he is a politician from Connecticut. Uh, He is a Democrat, but uh, he's was on this panel saying that we need to tell the public more about this, what we're doing here. He says, we know what we're talking about in this group, about the, the reasons we need this and the threats that we're facing. And he talks about how big these threats are, but he says we, the public doesn't even know, doesn't even have context for this information because we're not sharing enough with them. He says, our adversaries know that we know what they're doing up there. And they know that uh, they know we know, and but we're not talking about it to the public, even though we're having these closed doors conversations about it. We really need to inform the, the public about the threats that we're facing. And so people are like, what? You know, is he talking about UFOs? You know, there's this whole, we know that some of these witnesses to the, the extraordinary 2004 Nimitz case that the carrier um, group uh, had experienced, the Nimitz carrier group experienced. These witnesses we know have talked to uh, some of these congressmen and uh, congresspeople about what they saw, and there is some interest in, you know, studying this phenomena because of that. Is that what he's talking about? That's a little assumptive. He does say adversaries, and uh, we do know, of course, our big adversaries are China and Russia, and we do know China has uh, launched a missile and blown up a satellite uh, that's actually caused problems and could have debris hit the ISS, actually, as part of the problem. So uh, we don't know what he's talking about, because, but there's a lot of ideas out there that he's talking about aliens or UFOs or something. So I just wanted you to make, aware, make you aware of it, but he's very you know, concerned in this clip. And it's, it's kind of scary. So you might want to watch the clip. Otherwise, Mysterious Universe, it's a great website. It's not necessarily a mainstream website, but it's a great website with paranormal and UFO stuff. And they've got, they're always got some really good stories and they've got great writers there. One of those great writers is Micah Hanks, the brother to the guy that does the music for the show, actually. Micah Hanks, of course, we've had on the show. He's got his own great podcast, Graylian Report. But he, he's got an article here talking about Senator John McCain and how John McCain has been into UFOs. So he's talked to George. He's got a clip from George Knapp where George Knapp said, you know, uh, he had talked to John McCain about UFOs. Uh, Harry Reid had talked about talking to John McCain about UFOs in the past. We know and I've, I interviewed, you know, John Burroughs. 
uh, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham case from the UK, he had uh, John McCain's office help get his military records out because for some reason they were classified. A really interesting story. Again, you can find that in Open Minds. But uh, yeah, some great stuff that uh, he uh, has covered in this story about John McCain's interest in UFOs. Good one. In another story on Mysterious Universe this week, it's called Mysterious UFOs Return to Manitowoc and the Lake Michigan Triangle. So there's been a triangle UFO sighted around Lake Michigan, and I guess it was also seen again recently. And there's an online blog that uh, someone told us to, and they wrote a report about it. I don't have time to go into it because we're almost out of time for this segment. I also want to talk about, here's some UFO Congress news. Uh, Dr. Michael Masters in time traveling. So Dr. Michael Ma- Masters is another professor and he's interested, he's a, a pro, teaches anthropology, he's interested that he thinks, you know, some of these UFOs might be us from the future. A really interesting idea. So Kevin Randall, most well known for his Roswell research, a great researcher, he's been on the show a few times, he interviewed Michael Masters, and I think it's a really great topic, and uh, this gentleman, Michael Masters, is going to be speaking at the UFO Congress this year, and here's a little sneak peek for you all. If you go to the speaker page for the UFO Congress, you're going to find a few there, Uh, so we're getting ready to release our tickets and, and release more about speakers, so... Otherwise, let's see another couple stories. Ultimate Guitar has stories about uh, some musicians who believed in conspiracy theories. This you might find interesting, uh, especially because they do talk about Tom DeLonge, but they talk about a couple other people who believe in, like, you know, reptilians and stuff like that. So that's kind of an interesting story. And then finally, Marty Wilde. You guys know Marty Wilde, don't you? Don't worry if you don't. I didn't either. So this is like, I guess, a singer from way back when, but he's also been really into UFOs. And uh, The Mirror, the UK tabloid, did a little feature on him because he's turning 80. And uh, they got into, they asked him about his UFO interest. So you'll have to check that out. So there you go. There's the news. You can find this all on the front page of openminds.tv. But we're out of time for this segment. Coming up right after this break, we'll be talking to Joe Mergia. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am excited to have on the show for the first time, Joe Mergia. Did I say that right? You said it perfectly. Awesome. I like to get it right. Of course, very few can say my name perfectly, but that's fine. I don't mind too much. Same here. Uh, It's very rare for anybody to get my name right just looking at it. (laughs) And just for full disclosure, I had heads up. I did ask about the pronunciation first, so I didn't just amazingly get it right off the bat. <laughs> but uh, So I wanted to bring you on the show because you're doing great stuff. You've got this website, UFO Joe, a Twitter account, and you're transcribing a lot of the interviews out there that uh, TTSA and ATIP people are doing. And uh, it's it's a great service. But you're also kind of paying attention to other stories out there. And just like Danny Silva, who we had last week, you're catching on up on items that I think many others are missing because there's just so much information. 
There's so much going on. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm happy to be here. And I mean, there's so much going on it, that I can't keep up. So I'm so glad there are people out there like Danny and so many others doing the work. And it's just, it's, it's like a bombardment. After like the last couple of days, I've taken a break because I can't keep up. Yeah. And it's just, it gets a little frustrating. It's great, but you can't keep up and people want to know. So, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Especially because you've got to kind of people know what you do. And so when something happens, I, I even see up there, we've got to wait for Joe. We're waiting for Joe's transcript. Joe, where's the transcript? And so people <laughs> are kind of excited for uh, you to get that out there. Yeah, the pressure is on. But I mean, I love I love transcribing because it's a really great way for me to learn mm-hmm. more details. And I don't have the best memory. So me going over something multiple times is really good for me. Right. And I'm um, and some of the people I transcribed, like Elizondo and Knapp, it's just a pleasure just to listen to them. Those those are two of my favorite people. So listening to them talk and getting new te- getting new details is just it's fun. It's fun for me. Yeah. Ah, I want to talk to you about that so much, but I want to I want to first get into you. So we'll get into some of that because I agree with you a hundred percent. But you know, I want to introduce you to my audience as well. So I'm curious, kind of your background. So when did you first get interested in this topic? So my first memory is the early 70s. Uh, I went to the theater and saw a, a Bigfoot movie called The Legend of Bogey Creek. <laughs> and it was a it was a docudrama. So basically, it was like it, they, they portrayed it as a documentary, but it was with actors. But then the first movie, it was a double feature, and the first movie was a UFO documentary. Now, I don't remember exactly the details. I just remember I was intrigued. I had never seen anything like that. I was young. So really, really enjoyed that. But next, I, In Search Of. Do you remember the show In Search Of? Oh, yeah. I love that show. I loved that show, and I watched it. And then 1977 came, and I went to the theater to see Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and that was it. I mean... I loved that movie so much. And the thing was, though, I didn't pursue it at all. I mean, I was still, I was young, but I didn't know people studied this. So I saw the movie and that was it. And then over the years, you know, I read some occult books, stuff on out of body experiences, but not once did I ever come across a book on UFOs. I just wasn't looking in the right place. But Mm -hmm. then 1996 comes around and I have a close friend and she goes, you know, I have an aunt. I don't remember how the subject came up. She goes, I have an aunt that had an encounter with uh, that being on that book. I'm like, what book are you talking about? And she goes, I think it's called Communion. Hmm. So I'm like, okay. So, so I started reading Communion, and um, I had no idea. It was, it was, the beginning was, for me, it was frightening. I had no idea what the book was about. Hmm. So it's, it really scared me. So one night I said, I'm not sleeping in my room. I'm sleeping on the couch. I'm going to sleep on the couch. I'm going to sleep with the lights on. Next thing you know, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm frozen there. I can't move. I'm paralyzed. I'm like, uh-oh, the aliens, are, <laughs> oh the aliens are coming to take me. I can't believe this. So it was scary. I think it was either, it depends on who you talk to. It's either the beginning of an out-of-body state or it's sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. So, so I got out of it and I woke and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to read this book anymore. I don't need this. This is too scary. So I yeah. put it down. A few days later, I said, eh, let me start. I'll start reading again. So I read it, and then I said, oh, this re- he talks about life after death, reincarnation, telepathy. There's so much more to this than I ever thought. So I finished reading it. I read his two other books. I went to the bookstore, and then that just started me down the rabbit hole. I mean, I read every metaphysical, every metaphysical book I could get my hands on, channeled books. I had no discernment. I, everything I read, I believed. 
and just over the years that changed. But back then, it was just nonstop reading. Mm -hmm. And that's basically how I started getting into the subject. That's cool. What I love about people that are more my age getting into this is that when we talk about this sort of thing, um, it makes more sense. So, for instance, like when I got in this, let's say 20 years ago, a lot of the people I was working with, they were older. So when they're talking about uh, we're talking about close encounters by then, they're already working with Heineken and, and everything, you know. Um, right. But it's cool to talk to someone who was a kid when that came out, like me, so I can really identify that. You know, for me, Close Encounters was huge, too. But fortunately, I did not come across the communion book because that would have scared the heck out of me. Yeah, yeah it was uh, not something I was expecting. But, I'm, I mean, that book really changed my life. I mean, mm. it just got me going. And I've seen Strieber speak over the years. Actually, I, I went to L.A., last year late and saw him speak and he's still a great speaker and i still love i still i love i love his work mm -hmm. yeah you know uh he's kind of funny because when he spoke at the congress at first I, I asked him to speak he's like nobody wants to hear from me and it was kind of weird and i'm like are you kidding and he's like no nobody wants to hear from me and i'm like yes they do and so uh even at the conference when he was backstage he's like is there anybody even out there i don't think people like me very much and i'm like I it's know, packed I had him take a peek. I was like, look out there. It's packed. People want to see you. You're one of the headliners of the show. And he's like, he was shocked by that. I Same thing. When I, After his lecture, it was at somebody's house in, in Malibu. So it was like about 20 people. So it was really intimate, which I loved. But afterwards, I went up and I said, where else are you speaking? He's like, nobody wants, nobody wants to hear me speak. So nowhere. I'm like, I had the same response. I'm like, Yes, people do want to hear you speak. Just, <laughs> and there are a lot of people who have not been exposed to his to his material. So, you know, and I don't know what happened to him. He's he's pretty open minded about not coming to a conclusion about his experiences and what they represent. But mm -hmm. yeah, he's. I think he's extremely important to mm -hmm. the topic. So that's pretty interesting. The sleep paralysis is interesting too. I've had that on a couple of occasions, and luckily I was old enough I knew what it was. But uh, it was certainly very coincidental for you. It was, and that and that that subject, the the out of body subject, is something I really became obsessed with. I re I read books on it and tried to go out of body, did not have any success. But yes, it was definitely coincidental, and um, you know, it's something that once again it, it changed it changed my opinion on everything. It got me going down a different path that I would not have gone down if I had not read that book and had that experience. Mm-hmm. So forward two years later, and, you know, all this news comes up, Pentagon, secret program, Tom DeLonge, you know, getting involved with UFOs, what's with this crazy rock star dude? Um, what encouraged you then to start up your website and to, to start getting involved with uh, transcribing this information and sharing it? So let me just, I'll pick up around 2000, the year 2000, I decided, I was a subscriber to Michael Lindemann's newsletter. Remember Michael Lindemann? Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I knew his wife very well. Yeah. Deborah, right? Mm -hmm. I loved his work. So he was telling me that, and, and I started doing my own thing, my own little newsletter email list. It was called Open My News, Alejandro. Oh, you stole <laughs> our name. I won't let our boss know. <laughs> so it was, it was around 2000 and... I was two years away from a pension at the city of Tampa television, and I quit my job two years short of a pension to, to pursue my newsletter because I thought it was so the subject was so important. So I did that, and Michael Lindemann was just getting out of He was just retiring, going into something else. So I did the, the newsletter, 
and I didn't pursue it hard enough, so I had to go back into television around 2002. So, you know, between then and 2000, I kind of lost interest. You know, I read a lot of UFO books, but I kind of lost interest because it was nothing new. I'm like, okay. Back then, I thought, you know, the year 2000, we're going to have disclosure. And then I realized, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not going to happen anytime soon. What convinced so, you of that? Just, I was just naive back then. It was just, mm-hmm. I had just gotten into it. And I'm reading some of the books, and people are predicting this. And then the whole 2000, year 2000 craze, I'm like, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. This mm-hmm. evidence is so clear cut that somebody's, something's interacting with us. And then it didn't happen. And then uh, eventually I lost interest. And I, it's like, okay, how many UFO reports can I read about? I'm like, so it stopped until, until I started hearing about Tom DeLonge. And the first time I heard DeLonge, I was like, you know what? I don't believe him. I don't believe this guy. Yeah. I just, I don't. And, and then something happened. I went back and listened to another interview. And then the WikiLeaks stuff happened. I'm like, okay, let me give it a second, li- second listen. And then the New York Times, I heard about stuff that was about to come out. It came out. And it was like everything I got. <laughs> the passion was back. I was like, this is what we need. This is... These are credible people. We need pilots coming out. You know, the former head of a UFO program and, and people were, you know, people around me still weren't interested. But for me, it was like, all right, this is it. I'm going to start start a website again, get it going again. I'm going to get on Twitter and be more active. And that was really, that was another, you know, jump start for me that mm-hmm. really, once again, changed things for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean... What, I guess, were you seeing out there? So, obviously, you felt, hey, there's a gap. There's not enough coverage of this, so I'm going to get involved. Is, is that true? Uh, I don't know if it was, it was me looking at coverage. It was just me so passionate. I'm like, I need to get this out. I need to – this is stuff I want to share. And some of the stuff I was doing, like transcripts, was not being done. And there was a lot of – of I did a podcast – before the New York Times article came out and the skepticism of every guest that I was with, they were so down on DeLong that this is nothing's going to happen. Nothing's coming from this. This is a waste of time. It's Tom DeLong. And I was like, yeah, I think maybe we should wait to see what happens before we start making judgments. And then when it happened, I'm like, I'm going to, it just, it just gave me that, that push. It was almost like I wanted to show these guys, listen, you guys, you jumped the gun. You were wrong. And it just started me to write about it. And it just, the more I learned, the more I got excited. And, and now I, I can't wait for the History Channel show to come out and to see what TTSA and some other groups that are going, you know, working on this, what they can bring. It's just, it's just like, a, it's like a new day in ufology. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think you're exactly right. And that's what's fun about people like you and Danny and others kind of coming out and getting involved because it's like a new, you know, breath of fresh air as... The old and stagnant, you know, sticks to it. It's what it's done for years and kind of continues this path, almost ignorant of the exciting things that are happening. I don't get it. I don't get it. There are people, you know, I'm not going to name names. We know right. we know people that are saying that uh, ATIP and OSAP did not investigate UFOs. I'm like, so basically, Harry Reid is coming out saying he started a UFO program and he's lying about that for what? So he can be labeled as the UFO senator? Why would he do that? It makes zero sense that Reed would talk about saying it's a UFO program. And then you have to say Elizondo is lying and Chris Mellon is lying and, and they're all lying. It's and put off and Bigelow and the and whole p- Bigelow organization. And it makes, yeah, it makes, yeah. It makes z- zero sense. And a Harry Reed story, um, 
so I'm a cameraman, I'm a freelance cameraman, and I just I get calls for different kind of jobs. I shoot sports, reality TV, conventions, and then somebody emails me about three weeks ago, and they go, "Hey, I got to shoot for you. It's a, a local politician, and we need to. Uh, he just needs to do a thank you video. Are you available?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So they tell me the date, and then a couple of days before, they go, "You're you're going to be shooting ha- Senator Harry Reid." So I'm like, uh, "Oh, okay, wow. great, great." I was like, that's a coincidence. So I shot it, and then after the interview was over, I said, can I ask you about the UFO program? He goes, yeah. So cool. that, yeah, that'll be on my website uh, real soon. Oh, and awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a long interview. I didn't push. It was just it was like yeah. six minutes I had with him, and I, and I didn't push it. But he, you know, he said, I asked him about Congress and how much progress he's made about you know, getting, getting them interested in hearings, and it's, it's, a, it's a decent little interview. Is this on camera? No, he did not want to go on okay. camera, so it's um, just a transcription. Still, that is awesome. Way to go. Good job on that. Yeah, thanks. It was it was a, a fortunate break to get that interview. And how did he come across? I mean, did he come across a little hesitant, or was he just very nice and open? At first, I, I thought he was hesitant because he's like, I don't want to do this on camera. I'm like, okay, can we just, just regular interview, you know, no camera? He's like, yeah, that's fine. And then... Yeah, his passion comes out. He's he's definitely frustrated, you know. People, he's the main thing he brings up is the stigma. He's like, I have a really hard time getting you know people in Congress interested because of the stigma. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. And I was like, maybe some of the younger people. He's like, no, it doesn't matter. Age does not matter. It's still a stigma, but you know, it's we're making some progress. And um, I definitely people should check it out. Um, I even asked him about Bob Lazar because so many people are like, what does Harry Reid think about Bob Lazar? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to ask him. <laughs> well, so, and you, there was an interview recently, maybe even in your transcript, where George Knapp said Harry Reid was one of the first people, like the first person he went to once he heard about Bob. Right. And then people, there are people out there saying Harry Reid's not interested in UFOs and they've never spoken to Harry Reid. So as, as George, mm. George Knapp pointed out, so I don't understand that. Yeah. What I mean, none of us know Harry Reid. Now we know more because George Knapp has shared some of the stories of how Harry Reid became interested and how they shared information. But at the time, I didn't know that. Nobody knew that, and people right. just jump. You know, people are speculating, which once again, I don't. I don't understand that. Yeah, you know, and what's a, I think one of the hard parts is okay. Some of this we do have to rely on on the word of George Knapp. However, right. he's very very credible he's an award-winning journalist um you know he he handles his witnesses and the credibility uh, of the information uh very professionally and there's no reason to doubt george knapp exactly he's the reason like with with the bob lazar story which i'm skeptical about and like you're you said you're in the middle mm-hmm. or you're in the uh, the gray the gray basket right. the only reason i stay interested in that story is because of the credibility of george knapp and you're exactly right same thing with skinwalker people are like well it's only anecdotal stories i'm like yeah but it's the people who are telling the stories and the right. person who investigated is an award-winning investigative journalist and yes i take his word and i trust him and he's definitely a big part of the story and the reason why i'm so interested and you know yeah, we need to have data and evidence, but for now, I'm I'm comfortable taking his word for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people miss when it comes to Skinwalker, because I can see those people. Well, there's not even any data. You know, these guys were scientists. Give us data. All we have is anecdotal. 
But the experiences people had on Skinwalker are responsible for OSAP and ATIP. And exactly. I don't think people get that. No, and and I still and people are still saying, you know, they still it's the whole mistrust of the government and mm-hmm. military industrial complex. And yes, I understand that, but you know, a, a funny side story with with um, my television career. I've one of my bosses always made fun of my UFO stuff. I worked on different shows with him. Now he's trying to pitch a show about UFOs with a UFO personality, which I won't name. And he was my, I worked on Pawn Stars for seven years. He was, he, he, he was one of my bosses on that show. And then another boss on another show wow. is involved with Skinwalker Ranch and that wow. show. So it's like, so I'm working on reality TV and these guys are both working on UFO shows. Kind of uh, ironic. That's hilarious. So you are yeah. working on a reality TV show now? I mean, I work on 90 Day Fiance. I've worked it for the last year. It's a drama oh. show. It's like the number one TLC show. And yeah. I'm very really, familiar with it, for better or yeah. worse. Yeah, I'd rather not be working, but, you know, right now it pays the bills and it's not that bad. It's it's definitely close. It's very docu- It's documentary style, so yeah. I do like that. Yeah, that's interesting. So, getting back to Harry Reid, can you share his thoughts on Lazar? Do you want that to hold that information for your release no, your article uh, basically he's he's in the middle he's like you know some of the story it rings true to him and some of it he he doesn't know and he, he shared you know he shared a he shared a story that that he wanted to say relate to the bob lazar story i don't have it i don't have it on me memorized but people will see it. it's a little story compared to some i can't even remember what it is but he's he's in the middle he's in mm. the middle yeah yeah, so like the rest of us, and probably George Knapp is very influential to his decision on that, just like it is for for me and apparently you as well. Oh, George Knapp is a huge influence on <laughs> why well, I even got interested in that case. I really, I never really got too interested in Lazar and did much reading on it until I started hearing about Jeremy, Jeremy Corbell's documentary coming out, and then watching some of George's lectures on Lazar and. You know, I've, I found certain things that I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't know. That's, that doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I don't know if we'll ever find out the truth about Lazar, but it's definitely a, it's an interesting and fun story to read about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeremy's, uh, I think, I very much like Jeremy's work uh, also. Um, and, you know, they are friends, and especially Jeremy. And, you know, when I talk with George and Jeremy about Lazard, they know I'm skeptical, and so I have that attitude. But, um, of course, they know I also respect them and, and their work and what they have to say very much, too. But that's kind of another odd end of it. And, and you know, because I get, well, I'm taking it easy on these guys because they're my buddies. But um, we do have kind of like politicians at professional, you know, uh, where we know what our roles are. We have to be honest above every, anything um, even friendships, and we all understand that. It's tough because this subject, it's not, you know, it's not like there's that many people in those positions that are interested in it. So, yeah, right. you're, you're automatically, you're, you're going to become friends with people. And it's, yeah, it's tough, you know, to balance friendship with, you know, being skeptical, but that's where we are. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like there's a, a, a thousand reporters out there covering this. Hopefully in our lifetimes we'll see that, but for now, I mean, from George Knapp is the guy, you know, as far as top reporters. And <laughs> if you make friends with him, then 
it's hard not to because he's such a likable guy. So it's you're stuck in the middle. But I don't really, you know, it doesn't really bother me, especially since you know his background, his credibility speaks for itself. What about you said your favorite people to listen to are George Knapp and Lou Elizondo. What about them in particular do you appreciate? I just love George's style, his humor. Um, sticks to the facts. Uh, Elizondo. Elizondo has yet to I mean, I know there's some details about how the program started and how the videos got released that are, you know, we're learning about. But as far as people saying he's spreading disinfo or, or skeptical of that, what has he said that's controversial? Uh, our military has been engaging with objects that are unknown to us. That's basically what he says. That's mm-hmm. basically what he's been saying. So how is that controversial? I mean, he's, he's behind some big... The, the government's trying to trick us into what? Into believing that our guys and military guys and girls are interacting with unknown objects? We already know that. It's just now we're getting we're getting more data, we're getting videos. So, you know, and his his lecture in at the SEU, which I'm almost done transcribing, was just it was fantastic. I mean, you can't I think he's he's the modern day without the astro you know, he doesn't have the same degree as Heineck, but he's kind of like, the, for me, he's the modern day Heineck. He's mm-hmm. that credible person. He's the go-to guy. He's the face, like I said, he's the perfect face uh, face of the franchise for TTSA. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you want out front. Yeah, and I think his likability has worked against him in that everybody wants to hear from him because he's, I feel, and he always says, no, 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 but he's very good at presenting like you heard the seu presentation he's like how was that was that okay and it's like dude you're great i know that you don't want to be the spokesperson for ttsa that's not what you signed up for and that's kind of what you become but you did great i mean like you said i mean he's a great presenter right he's a great presenter and he's very likable and people like well that's because he is a counterintelligence agent, and that's what he's known. That's what he. That's what he's good at. He's he's good at tricking people. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Like I said, if he said something controversial, like DeLong says controversial stuff, Elizondo does not. Elizondo yeah. sticks. I mean, he's made. A, they made a couple of mistakes with the with the Washington photo and the the balloon that was connected, you know, to the to the article online by Paco. Tushirio, the one who first put the Tic Tac article online, but it's like, for the most part, and I, and I know they've had problems with public relations, but the most, but for the most part, I love I love everything they're doing, and you know I'm I'm a little worried about the History Channel show because I've worked on so yeah. many shows, but you know let's see the the real goal is will it will it convince more congressional you know people to get on board and push for open hearings or push for more funding mm-hmm. you know we're out so of time so we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back and talk more about this but uh for those of you listening on the radio you're going to hear a commercial break for the rest of you you'll hear a short musical interlude and then we'll be back with joe mergia ufo joe on open minds ufo radio
Welcome back to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I have with me UFO Joe, also known as his given name, you, uh, Joe Mergia. And before we uh, left, went to the break, we were talking about Lou Elizondo. And, you know, uh, people, whether they want to doubt me or not, that's fine. But, uh, and everybody knows, and even, you know, in my conversations with Lou, when I'm like, uh, He's question, well, is that accurate? You know what I said? And I'm like, well, here's my sources. This is what they said. And sometimes somebody goofs and they didn't say it accurate. And and I'm getting clarification from Lou. And of course, he feels bad for that other person or whatever. But or if he's goofed in the past, but I haven't found um, in any of it. But I will call out when, you know, well, this person said this. Is that true? Ooh, maybe that's not quite right. But um, I, I haven't found looking any major glaring discrepancies or signs of deception. And what's interesting as time goes on is all of the pieces fit, especially what with Lou's told us. Lou says this and this and this was the case. We don't have evidence of that. But then all of a sudden, you know, stuff starts to appear and it's just like Lou said it was. Right. I mean... And people are just waiting. There are people waiting for one mess up. It's like, oh, there it is. I told you he's not to be trusted. So, yeah, he's done. He's done a great job. I mean, I, I, I never, I never thought that somebody like him would be coming out speaking like George Knapp yeah. said at his lecture in UFO MegaCon. He's like, so Elizondo steps on the stage, says, "Yep, I ran a UFO program in the Pentagon. It's real." And there was no response. The media was. Yeah. It was October of 2017, and I was like, and I remember George Knapp going on coast to coast saying. He had this long open, how amazing it was. And it's just people are like, yeah, nah, don't care, don't care. And that's another thing. When the New York Times article came out, you know, I told a lot of friends and family about it. And maybe one or two were like, that's really interesting. But for the most part, it's once again, yeah, no response. I don't, I don't care. But what that article and Elizondo coming out have done for me, whenever I, I, I encounter somebody new, if I'm taking an Uber ride and I see a little opening. I'm like, so did you hear about the uh, New York Times article in the Pentagon UFO program? They're like, no. And then, you know, we start up a conversation. Usually they'll change the subject, but not always. So that's another thing. Uh, I remember Diana Pasulka said the same thing for her. She says, now I can refer to that New York Times article and it gives it credibility that we've never had before. Mm -hmm. So that's a great thing. Yeah, exactly. And for those of us who engage with the mainstream media, yeah, it's more tools in our toolbox to say, well, the Pentagon looked into it and took it seriously, and here's what the guy who ran that program says. Exactly. And I know people are you know, skeptical of the New York Times because the way they've treated the subject over the years, but that's not the way they treated it in this particular article, and that's, that's what's important right now. I'm not mm -hmm. going to talk about you know the last couple of decades, and they've done some Washington Post too. They've done some. They've done some really good articles on UFOs and some not so great articles. But you know, having the Washington Post, Politico, and New York Times do a three pronged bam, here it is. It was great. You know, cause it wasn't just one outlet. Right. So I, I want to get into some of the stuff that you've written about lately. So of course, there's a 2004 Nimitz case, and uh, recently at UFO Congress, they had quite a few of the witnesses together. And you wrote uh, your latest is confirmation. Second witness also says he saw longer Tic Tac video and was told sonar contact occurred. Um, so let's talk about that. Uh, who said that and why is that significant? So Jason Turner, who was on board, 
I believe the Princeton, he said that he went in, I think it was the, the, I'm not sure exactly where it was. I don't have it memorized, but he said he saw, sat down and watched it live. He said he watched it live in one of the consoles and it was anywhere from seven to 10 minutes. And the, and the object was doing all kind of, all kinds of crazy maneuvers. Um, and he said, when you see the object start, you know, the video we've seen, the tic tap where it starts and goes off the screen. He said, that's the beginning of the video right after that is where the good stuff happens. So he was the only person who had said that until Gary Voorhees, who was, um, also on board. He said he saw the same video. So we have two guys saying they saw an extended video of the Tic Tac. And George, George has said, or, or Jeremy has said, that there are more videos out there. But they haven't addressed that particular one because David Fravor basically has not said anything like that. He's the pilot of the F-18 who encountered the Tic Tac. He said it was, you know, the video he saw was, well, it was actually, it wasn't his video. It was the guy who went up, Chad Underwood, two hours afterwards. Um, but this was the first time I had heard there was a longer video when Jason Jason Turner said that. So, I mean, two guys, it's not proof. We need to see, actually see the video one day. And uh, at, at UFO Megacon, George Knapp said that he had heard there was a 20-minute video out there, but I asked him afterwards if he was talking about the Tic Tac case. He said, no, it wasn't the Tic Tac case. So I don't, I don't know what case he's talking about, but I would love to see a 20-minute video. And um, that panel was great. The military panel was Kevin Day, Jason Turner, PJ Hughes, and Gary Voorhees. And um, got to hang out with those guys a little bit before and after. And, you know, it's, I can't remember. I think I was sitting next to somebody and they said, this is historic. I've never been to a UFO conference where four military witnesses are speaking about an event they experienced. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was really uh, something I had never experienced. Mm-hmm. Which is important, and I think we have to remember to categorize things that um, we have people who are essentially uh, um, sympathetic or who are on board to help release information, and we have people that aren't on board to release information. And I think it's important for people to categorize because, of course, we have Lou and we have his group, Harry Reid, luckily, he didn't have to. He could have said, uh, yeah, I was involved with that, but I don't want to talk about it. You know, he doesn't have to do all these interviews. Luckily, Harry Reid's on board to help out. There's Lou. There's some of the Bigelow staff. A lot of them are completely quiet, you know, kind of keeping under the radar. Right. And then we have witnesses, and we're fortunate to have an abundance of witnesses in this case who are helpful. But it's important to know the DOD is still not on board. They are not really releasing or sharing information. In fact, uh, it it seems apparent that they are releasing um, some information that might not even be accurate. Uh, time will tell. And then we have uh, the witnesses, but not the military. So when we hear about these videos, it's kind of like, well, why can't we see them? We've seen some of them. You know, we don't even really know that the behind the scenes on how those three videos got out, but it's a monumental effort and it, it's probably highly doubtful. We'll see the other videos unless maybe, you know, Congress or something gets involved because uh, they have been unwilling to share anything. I've got a host of FOIAs out there and, you know, they they have not responded to any except to say we're really busy. 
Right. Well, and I'm I'm amazed that some of the people take, and I'm not saying they're out outright lying. Like as Elizondo has said, he just doesn't think one. You know, the left hand is no knows what the right hand is doing. Right. You know, it's such a huge bureaucratic mess. But then George Knapp at UFO MegaCon said, and I have this quote. It says, you know, in the past with Blue Book, quote, they they lied, and they're lying now. When they said the program is over, it's not over. It's still ongoing. In fact, there's more than one, uh, end quote. So it's like, yeah, he's he's using the L word there. I don't know if they're lying, but I definitely don't take their word when they say something, especially with the whole aviation aerospace. Oh, yeah, it's aviation. It's aviation. And then, oh, no, it's it's aerospace. They were wrong. Sorry. That's a good point. There's uh, one point where they were wrong. But then again, if we go through history and we look at cases – uh, Stephenville, they were wrong. Um, you know, they had to correct themselves. They said that they said one thing, and then they came out and said, "Oh, sorry, we were wrong," and said another. Um, O'Hare was similar, uh, but that was more with the FAA saying, "No, we didn't receive any reports." And then when the Chicago Tribune gets involved, "Oh, yeah, we did have reports." So, I mean, unfortunately, with these PR groups, uh, lying is kind of uh, uh, common, and uh, <laughs> which is kind of interesting because you know one of the person uh, people who's been lied to the most by these groups are is john greenwald who's got you know done so many foyers although for some reason he doesn't think he's getting lied to in this case but uh we'll see because yeah they say they didn't release those videos uh many have seen the paperwork that shows that they have although that hasn't been released but the new york times said they verified it you know that they they verified yes indeed Right, and, then, and then Eric Eric Davis, it's he didn't contradict, but he got into more details on another podcast where he said Elizondo worked with a, a specific group or a specific uh, department within the within the Pentagon. So maybe that group, you know, he got them cleared through them, and nobody else knew that was going on. Maybe that happened, and they're kind of feeling burned by that. I don't know, but yeah. I think that is the thing that makes the most sense because the first thing they said was the proper channels weren't taken. And Lou was like, yes, they were. We have the document that shows it. It's just this last step. They said that we were supposed to see it, the PR group, uh, before it went out. But uh, Lou argues that no, that is nowhere in our directive that we have to pass it through them. And so certainly there are some uh, concerns there that seem to be shading things. So I guess time will tell when it comes to that. But I mean, it's kind of a very tiny point because the point is the videos are out. The videos are out. And, you know, if, if you're right, if, if we're right in, in thinking that they're feeling burned by this, I don't, I don't think there's a very good chance of more videos coming out unless, mm. like you said, Congress gets involved and they say, release it. So, you know, I'm not... I'm not expecting anything soon, but hopefully there's more stuff out there that we're going to see on the History Channel show, I hope. Mm -hmm. I know, I'm, I'm sure they, they all had to sign NDAs for that show, and I'm, that's part of the reason they can't talk about certain stuff. But uh, another thing, you know, you know what this is missing? We're missing a female. Nobody at TTSA has come out. Nobody connected to ATIP. No females. That's why I think the female pilot who was providing cover for Fravor, her, her experience is written down in one of the uh, one of the reports, it's really detailed. If she ever came out, I know she wants nothing to do with this, from what I heard. 
But if she ever came out, I think it would really important to have a female energy brought to this. What do you think? Oh, I agree with that a gazillion, um, a gazillion billion. You know, I, I agree with that <laughs> wholeheartedly. In fact, it's funny you bring it up because I've th- been thinking about it a lot lately. It's been a while since I've had a, a woman on the show, and I feel really guilty about that. You know, I grew up hanging out in a household where it was mostly women, my sisters and my mom, you know, here, here, uh, the girls have, have gone off to school, but, uh, you know, my girlfriend's girls, uh, I've lived with essentially. And, uh, and so, uh, I, I'm used to being around women and I don't feel comfortable when it's just men, to be honest. And, uh, that is something that is severely lacking. Now, a lot of what I do Luckily, because Karen, my girlfriend's into this stuff, who runs the Congress, uh, so she comes with me. So you know, which is helpful because then we get to know also the wives. So I've gotten to know the wives of some of the Bigelow people. Um, we get along really well with Lou and his wife. Um, so, and that's another interesting aspect is to hear what they have to say. And you know what's funny is. Uh, I've heard a lot from wives and I've never talked about that because they do verify some of this stuff and they do have interesting stories that lend to the credibility of their husbands. Um, but I can't share them because they're always like, <laughs> don't say anything because their wives, you know, they don't want any attention and they don't. And especially the husbands, you know, especially with Bigelow having received so much negativity and, and Lou that they don't want any negative attention to their spouses. So it's always like, okay, you know, they're always don't tell anybody about what she says. Don't talk about this. I can't. Yeah, I can't blame them. I'd love yeah. to hear the stories, but I can't blame them. Who who can blame them after you see the way people come come at you so hard? I mean, people have come at Elizondo and DeLong and and Mel and anybody. It's just like they're so angry that this is going on. It's mm-hmm. like, and you know, we we all speculate. Well, it's because they've been doing. I remember somebody said. Why is DeLong, why did he get UFO Research of the Year? I've been doing this for a long time. Uh-huh. I should get that award. It's like they're, they're so upset that somebody new is getting all the attention. I think that's yeah. part of it. That's a big part of it. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't blame wives. That's, it's really interesting you bring up wives and their stories because, yeah, that's, that's confirmation. Unless you want to say, well, the, lives are lying t- the, li- the wives are lying too. They're just protecting their husbands, which I'm sure people would say. But, yeah, I don't blame them for one, wanting to stay out of the spotlight and not be quoted on, on the record. Well, that's why I've been uh, really curious to speak to them, too, to say, you know, were you aware of this? A lot of times I expect if there's any deception, then um, them to kind of roll their eyes or, right. you know, some sort of like them getting frustrated or even if they just don't want to get into it saying, uh, I'd rather not say anything. Um, but... That's not the case. Usually they are like, I, you know, here's my experience. And they have these very interesting stories um, that uh, that uh, essentially do corroborate with what their husbands say. But more than that, um, show that, uh, you know, they've had, it's hard, they've essentially have, been involved they've had experiences that are interesting and interesting stories to share related to all of it so uh yeah it's really interesting and it's too bad we don't have that female aspect and that's probably why because these men's spouses aren't aren't getting involved but um like you said who can blame them when they just get beat up like crazy what's been nice 
is that, and I want to know if you have felt this since you've gotten involved, is that certainly people beat me up like crazy when I finally was like, after the WikiLeaks, I was like, oh my gosh, Tom's been telling me he's doing something important. I've been skeptical, but he is. This is amazing. Nobody has had a sit-down meeting with people at this high of level to talk about UFOs. That's why we gave him the award. You know, if anybody else would have done that, they would have got the award. But Tom did it. And that's when I was all in, like, wow, he's doing something significant. We need to watch. And people were bashing me. You know, they were really negative. But that seems to change as time goes on, as, you know, we get more and more great information and more of what they've told us is being confirmed, or at least what Lou has been saying. Have you seen kind of a a tide change? Have people become more accepting of uh, TTSA and, and everybody, you think? I've seen a few people start to change their tune. I mean, they're still skeptical. They're also upset that it's on History Channel. And as 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 Bob Bob Kiviat of the Alien Autopsy fame said at at MegaCon, we need to get this to CBS News. I mean, yeah, of course, of course, I want it to be on 60 Minutes and a eight piece investigative, you know, series with all news investigative journalists looking at that. But right now, this is what we have. We don't have that. We have History Channel. And yeah, I've seen people. Open their minds, saying, "Okay, I've listened to I listened to Elizondo. I met him at the at the SCU conference, and I gotta say, yeah, he's really a nice guy, and he really comes across as believable. I mean, I'm still skeptical, but you know, meeting him in person really changed my opinion on him. So I'm seeing that. I personally, I mean, I'm not as I'm not as visible as you, but on Twitter, I haven't gotten too much negativity. People leave me alone for I don't know why. Facebook's a, <laughs> Facebook's a little different, but Twitter, I haven't really gotten a lot of negative feedback. I mean, maybe that'll change as this ramps up, but I've been really fortunate on that front. And hopefully hopefully in May, late May, when the show airs uh, unidentified on history, that more people will say, okay, there's obviously, there's obviously something going on. or I'm, I'm open-minded to see what TTSA has, has in store. And as Knapp said, even if, they, even if they don't do anything more than helping get those three videos released – or had, having a part in that. He goes, even that, if they just went, if they disappeared after that, it would still be a great accomplishment that helped change things for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think one of the reasons, and I think this helps me too, because I get less bashing than a lot of people out there. Um, and I think it's just sticking to the facts and sticking to the information, staying focused is what you're doing. You're posting helpful information. You're not making, um, you know, strong claims or saying uh, you're sharing the information to let people determine on their own. And I think that's why people appreciate it and are less likely to kind of come after people like that. I agree. And in the old in the old days, I wasn't like that. When I first started, I was like, no, they're extraterrestrial. They're extraterrestrial. And I had a, I had a friend. <laughs> who was a big time skeptic, but, and he would always hammer me and, and it forced me to, to really improve on my, my debating skills. And over the years, I'm like, that really helped me out. And I appreciate having that person back then at the time I didn't appreciate it, but now I do. And it's like, now I'm like, I will not say that. I'm like, yeah, they, I, I don't think you should rule out extraterrestrial, but we don't know what they are. There's so many possibilities. If you want to speculate, I'll speculate all day long about what they could be. But I do not know. And when people come and say, listen, they're extraterrestrial. They are. They are. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can't say that. I'm sorry. You know, I just yeah. I'll leave it alone and just say, you know, I, I'll disagree. I'll agree to disagree right now. 
That's funny because I get the same thing. And people, it's funny because people in the field, you know, you experience this. I'm sure they assume that that's how you feel. I mean, when they're you're approaching, they begin to talk to you. They assume that you're on board, that, you know, this is all aliens and abduction and all of this. Right. And I have to tell them, well, I don't know that for sure. I mean, maybe. Maybe, exactly. And somebody the, the other day, it was great. They go, listen, the big problem I have with this whole UFO stuff is that I don't think they can get here from there and I go well how do you know they're coming from anywhere how do you know they're not already they haven't been here from tens of thousands of years they don't have to go anywhere and he said right hmm I guess that defeats my argument I'm like yeah I'm not saying that's the case but you know we don't know where they're coming from at all yeah at least I don't so on your website I guess what is the biggest deal right now like if you were if if someone was like hey I heard you have a website you know uh, I got a few minutes later today to look at it. What should I look, I look at? What would you tell someone? I'd say take a look at the, the notes slash transcript of the, of the Nimitz case with those four witnesses. That was one of my favorite. That con- I hadn't been to a UFO conference in a while, and that was I had so much fun at that conference meeting those guys. Um, and some of the transcripts I've done, uh, for me, and also my, I have an, a Lazar article up there it's, it's been a couple of months with Eric Davis. That was w- one of my favorite articles to write because I went back and looked at every argument that George and Jeremy had made in favor of Lazar. And I, and I looked and I, and I went and tried to see if there was any other counterpoint to that. And I found some. And that, that article is really good because Eric Davis is 100% anti-Lazar. He thinks he's full of it. And you'll see that in the article. And... Um, that Another thing that I loved when you did this story, too, and that Davis got his word out there, and I've asked, you know, about this, because what's interesting about this is that these are all TTSA guys, essentially. Eric Davis is working with To The Stars. Uh, they're all Bigelow people, all ATIP people, but they disagree. George, of course, is not in these organizations, but he's very friendly with all of the people and and knows them. However, you've got uh, people who are in there, some who believe in Lazar and some who don't. So you've got this interesting dynamic where, you know, this is a topic not all of them agree on. And then you have Eric Davis coming out making some very strong statements. And I've asked, I've said, you guys have to, has Lazar ever come up? And if he has, it's probably been some pretty interesting conversations. And I got this look like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why I asked Reed about Lazar, because I was curious what his take was on it. Mm-hmm. But like I said, he was neutral, um, open-minded. But the thing, another thing, Eric Davis recently said that, you know, we keep hearing A-tip, A-tip, A-tip. And, and I'm not, I don't focus on the negative or the contradictions, but Eric Davis said, yeah, ATIP wasn't the name. It was just a nickname that Harry Reid pulled out of thin air when he wrote that letter to uh, to uh, Lynn, William Lynn. So it's like, oh, really? <laughs> and, See, and, and that's and he, not necessarily true. And then here's, here's, though, the deal. And here's why I say this is because I've been really focused on this, on clarifying that. And I just got to interview Lou recently on this to clarify and it's kind of funny because he, he feels like, you know, I can't speak for what everybody else says. And he's even had a couple mistakes when he's talked about this. But here we go. I'll share this right now. And I don't think I haven't shared this yet with my interview on him. So here's the details. Uh, essentially, what happened is there was OSAP. OSAP was created, ran by Lou's predecessor. It was focused on all of the paranormal. 
Uh, as George and Lou have told us, over time, these religious factions started, uh, and others started coming at them. And like, you can't do this, you can't do this. So right. it, there was a decision made early on to create a tip. And I don't know who created the name. I didn't ask that, but maybe I'll go back and see if I can find that out. But then this was kind of a subgroup to focus just on UFOs and just military cases. And they thought that this would be more palatable to people out there, which it was. Then, uh, so over time, this was kind of lose focus. As time went on, you know, the OSAP part had to die, essentially, because, you know, these religious factions and stuff were not going to tolerate it. Right. Um, but ATIP continued, and then the name officially changed um, when Lou took over about that time later on. Uh, there's a timeline there. So then that's when ATIP officially took over um, as the name. So ATIP was a name out there. Maybe it was Harry Reid who came up with it. But it wasn't – what Lou says, it wasn't officially, technically official as a name until Harry Reid wrote that document. So I could see why – uh, some people would be shocked or that, you know, I could see why Eric Davis would be shocked because he knew the program as OSAP and all of a sudden Harry Reid is calling it ATIP. And that was the first time they really just, <clears throat> after Harry Reid did that, decided we're just sticking with ATIP then. And, that's, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I did not know that. It makes a lot of sense. Just, you know. Yeah, because there's a lot of confusion. And I'm like, you know, Lou, the, these people are confused. People are saying stuff different. And he's like, unfortunately, I can't speak to what they knew or what they're saying. Um, but uh, that's what happened. But here's my argument. This is why I don't think it's a deception, and I'd like to hear your opinion. And sorry for going off where it's supposed to be interviewing no, you. No, that's new information that I, yeah. I didn't, nobody knows about. But Lou was an administrator, and I've made this argument. Everybody has their role. Um, the expert opinion, the official... Uh, the person we need to talk to about the name of the program would be Lou, Harry Reid, and, and some aspects, but especially Lou and his predecessor. They were in the DIA. They were, uh, or DOD, uh, Lou was OSD. They were the people who worked on the, the administrative end of things. So they would know. Eric Davis, Hal Putoff, they are contractors. So right. they won't know. In fact, I think it was Hal who said, or others have said, I don't even know the name of the program when I'm writing papers I'm contracted for with the government sometimes because I don't care. You know, they're like, hey, we need you to, to write a paper on this or, or do this work, and they do it. So uh, that's why they would be fuzzy about the naming of what was named when. Right. And then, but uh, and so, and with the New York Times, as Lou puts it, I wasn't on OSAP. I never worked on OSAP. I was, you know, brought in, worked on ATIP. It wasn't my program, so I wasn't going to speak to something I didn't have the authority to speak on. I had the authority to speak on ATIP, so I spoke on ATIP, and nobody knew about OSAP at the time. And you'll notice there's a trend that a lot of these topics we didn't know about or Lou didn't talk about, he doesn't talk about until the existence of whatever it is is leaked. Exactly. Um, and it's mostly George Knapp getting these leaks, and he got a lot of these from Washington, presumably from Harry Reid. We don't know, and he's not sharing uh, who leaked this information to him. But once it's leaked, like OSAP is leaked, okay, now Lou can talk about OSAP because it's been leaked, it existed. Right, and yeah, exactly. I don't see it as any, I don't see it as deception either. I mean, sometimes I, I, I hear stuff, I'm like, oh, that that contradicts that. But it's like, 
overall, when you hear Eric Davis and he on the on the on the main most important stuff about UFOs and you know all the details surrounding that, he's on board. You know, he doesn't he doesn't contradict anything anybody else says. And it's funny because the same thing happened with the remote viewing program. Exactly, uh, uh, it's, it's so exactly cool you bring this up. At, I remember at the time it happened. It's like yeah, there was a religious faction and. And if you watch Third Eye Spies, Joe McMonagle said some, some member of Congress came up to him and said, you're doing the work of the devil. And then another one came up to him and said, you're doing the work of God. He goes, I don't know which one scared me more. Exactly. That's so funny that you brought that up because uh, when I was talking to Lou, I've been telling him you need to watch Third Eye Blind or the, the new documentary, Third Eye Spies. Um, of course, I've been writing about all this forever because Jim Mars wrote a book. I've been able to interview Joe McGonigal and everything, but uh, that was a great documentary because it kind of highlighted Hal's career through right. all of this. And um, that's what I really liked about it because he's so pertinent right now. He's, he's the guy on the scene. But yes, Hal's been through all this before. And it also demonstrates that Hal is not some kind of, you know, spy releasing, you know, manipulating us because he has been working his whole career on in looking into kind of these fringe sciences and trying to promote their usage and and um, research his whole career. So and this is a continuation of what he's been doing for for many, many years. Yeah, people say, well, these these. CIA people, they, all of them have been involved in this for such a long time. It's the same group of characters. I think Kiviat makes that argument. I'm like, yeah, because where is Hal Putoff going to go work and as a full-time job and do investigations into psychic, you know, remote viewing? There's not a lot of places he can go. So if our government's open to it and they're willing to pay him to do it, of course he's going to do it. Right. Uh, same, same for a lot of these people. It's like, so of course you're going to see the same names working in the same small government circles. There's not a... As far as I know, there's not a lot of places you can go and work full time looking into, you know, psychic functioning. I mean, I know some people have been able to do it, like Dean Radin. He's done work over the years, but you know, it, it's not a surprise to me at all that Hal, you know, and and I don't understand how people have that. I, he's another likable guy. He's been, you know, as an older guy, he's been around for a long time. He seems always open when he speaks about it, and I, I don't understand. I don't understand the the, the real skepticism that he's once again like you said he's some disinformation guy i don't you know yeah, they're missing well, all of the facts and that, that's why i recommend people if you want to know more about how go watch third eye spies which is what on netflix or something like that i think it's five bucks or something uh it's well well worth it because the remote viewing program was extraordinary and it was fascinating and there are so many parallels to what we're learning about OSAP and ATIP, that yeah. um, it's just an extremely important uh, set of information. And there, it's funny because there are a lot of people who are open-minded about UFOs. They're, yes, this is legitimate. And then I bring up remote viewing and like, yeah, that's, there's nothing to remote viewing. I'm sorry. I'm like, have you tried it? Because I've taken classes. I took a class with Lynn Buchanan. I took a class with Prudence Calabrese, who was controversial, but she taught remote viewing. And I, and I did it. And I got results. They were real basic results, but they were results that were specific little details that would pop up out of nowhere. So I would tell people, try it for huh. yourself. I mean, the, the controlled remote viewing manual is online that the military used. You can learn it. It's not that difficult. Try yeah. it and impress yourself. You know, don't don't be skeptical of something if you haven't tried it. 
and it's it's like this is wall. Some people will accept UFOs, but they won't accept remote viewing. And there's other topics, the same thing. It's like, nope, sorry, it's too far out there. But look at the evidence. And I think the evidence for remote viewing is impressive. Yeah. Yep. Really interesting stuff. We're essentially out of time. So let's see what you're working on. You're working on transcribing the um, the SCU. Uh, AEPC, all of these acronyms, the conference in Alabama, and I'm proud to have, you know, I've been working with SEU from the beginning, and uh, I, I think that conference went excellent, and it was so nice for the for Lou and Hal to be there because uh, they got to see that there are, you know, serious people in the UFO field who have been in the UFO field for decades, uh, just kind of lurking out there and doing their work, uh, keeping their nose to the grindstone type of thing. Uh, that don't get as much attention because they're working, you know, and, and they don't have anything bombastic to say. They're working on science and facts and figures. So um, that was great. But uh, in this transcript, I guess, uh, kind of a preview of maybe what people have look, to look forward to. What are some of the big pieces uh, from that transcript that you think are significant? Uh, with, Lou, with Lou's uh, transcript? Yeah. yeah, I need to go through again. It's so long. It's just... Yeah. There's so much. There's so much information in there, um, between between his transcript, the George Knapp transcript that I'll be posting uh, tonight, and the Harry Reid transcript. Those are those are just in a Reid one. It's not very long, but it's just there's just so much information for people between Elizondo and Reid that were in there. They were in the know, and it's just I I can't get enough of like I said of of Elizondo speaking about how the I know a lot of people don't care about how the program started, what they analyzed and what they investigated, but I, I'm one of those people that wants I want to read up on everything and Elizondo it's I think it was like an hour maybe an hour no it was like over two hours I think it was so it's like if yeah. that if you want to if you want to learn about ATIP and OSAP and what went on. And the history, that's that read that transcript. That's probably that'll be my most important transcript as far as preserving that transcript historically for people to go back and look at that, for people who don't have time to watch the whole video. And uh, the read transcript will be up there probably today. And um, I was just gonna keep doing what I'm doing, just trying to trying to put everything together for the people who are really, you know, I, I really wanna I really want to connect with mainstream and a lot of mainstream people are not going to be interested in these minute details. Mm. So I just need to figure out a way to get, I think the show will help because that is perfect for mainstream. New York times article has helped. I just, I just think it's a matter of time and we just need to be patient as Elizondo always preaches. It's like patience, have patience. And I do have patience and I've been doing this for a long time. So I'm, over the next couple of years, I think more and more will come out and hopefully if Congress gets behind this, then people will finally wake up. Can you imagine how the news is going to cover this if, if Congress actually has hearings on this again? Yeah. And, and we have pilots coming forward, allowed to speak about it for not fear of losing their flying license to, to be able to fly. It's like, imagine all the pilots from the gimbal coming forward talking about, yeah. you know, spear, you know, I know. With, with spear, you know, up close. Jeremy, Jeremy Corbell said at Megacon, they were close to these jets. In fact, David Fravor said there was a, there was a, a near miss where it almost hit one of our jets. So yeah. I think that would really get the attention of the America, the, the world if that happens. I agree. Super exciting. And I want to say you're doing a really great service because when it comes to the mainstream, quotes and sources are paramount, you know, and it's important to tell them so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, 
Otherwise, they're going to assume that you're speculating or assuming. But when you quote the the major players, especially a Harry Reid, but also a scientist, you know, uh, someone who worked in the, the Pentagon, that's what's really important. And that's what's really important about what you're doing because you'll notice when I have a really great story like George Knapp where there's just so rich, full of quotes that I need to pull – I'll do a transcript. I did a transcript of Luis Elizondo, but I can't get to all of these. And so what you're doing is so important because then we can go find exactly what they said and had the have the exact quote. So what you're doing is just invaluable. And, and thank you so much for just getting out there. Yeah, I appreciate that, Alejandro. And, and hopefully one day I'll learn how to type a little faster so it doesn't take me <laughs> five days. I mean, Elizondo is taking a long time. So, yeah, I, hear I you. appreciate it. I'll, I'll, I'll keep at it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We'll definitely have you back again because this story is not going away. And as you just mentioned, you know, it's just going to get better and better as we learn more and more. And apparently we're going to learn a lot more in the History Channel show. And uh, and so that's going to be really exciting. What I'm getting exciting about, because we're working on releasing some of the names for the International UFO Congress, is that... Our Congress is going to be after the show, and we're going to have, you know, some of the people involved with this at the Congress. So we're going to be able to share information and get more information about some of what we learned in the History Channel show. So that's going to be really exciting. And I hope you can come. Oh, I, I, I hope to be there. I cannot wait for the show and for the Congress. And for the next year or two, it's going to be – I'm excited. You know, I haven't been this excited in a long time, and I appreciate you having me on the show. And and uh, look forward to seeing what the future holds for us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for UFO Joe Mergia for being on the show. Check him out at ufojoe.net. That's ufojoe.net. So he's doing some really good stuff there. Uh, you know, as we talked about throughout the show, some of the transcripts and stuff that he's doing. So he's definitely someone that you're going to want to check out. You can also find him on Twitter. Twitter is kind of where a lot of us are sharing uh, some up-to-the-minute information. So you will find him on Twitter as UFOJoe11. You can also search him by name Joe Mergia. So you'll find Danny up there and Mike DeMonte, some of the people I've interviewed. So a lot of fun, a lot of really, really good stuff. So this is really exciting. More and more news is coming out. I have a, a couple Den of Geek articles with some of the background that we've discussed about TTSA and ATIP and all of that stuff and Tom DeLong essentially getting ready for this show to come out. I just really want to make sure the public is as informed about all of the details as possible, uh, making sure where credit is given to. I really want people to know it. If, we, if it wasn't for Tom DeLong, you know, none of this would have happened. This information wouldn't have gotten out. So I have a story that's outlining how he made all this come about, even though I've written about that in the past. This is kind of new and updated and, and just about that single topic. And then I have another one that will be coming out a Essentially about how, you know, ATIP uh, was a lot more at the beginning. It was this OSAP and it was this, uh, you know, paranormal investigation to begin with. So I have an article coming out on that as well. And I'll keep on writing about all of this. So lots of exciting projects happening. Uh, so check Joe out. Otherwise, you know, the UFO Congress, like I said, there's more and more information coming out about the Congress. So be sure to go to UFOCongress.com and you can check out more. I'll tell you right now, if you click around there, you're going to 
find some new information, even though we haven't really launched it all yet. We will be in the next few days. And then um, also, you know, follow the social media. Go to UFO Congress on Twitter and Facebook. And then you can also, on the front page of UFOcongress.com, join the email list. And right now, I think I told you guys this last time, the, uh, we're having problems with the Open Minds email. It all got changed up, and we're kind of a, a sub email uh, of, of a larger company, so there's some problems there. So really, right now, the UFO Congress is the best email list to get onto, so you could get your email newsletter on everything that we're up to, because I do post that stuff at the UFO Congress website as well and put that in the email. So if you want to keep up to speed, go ahead and do that. So we'll be letting you know about a lot more that way coming up here soon. Otherwise, do please go to my Patreon. You'll see a link down below in the show notes, or you can also just go to Patreon and uh, click uh, look for Alejandro Rojas, and you'll find me. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So I hope you'll consider going on and becoming a member for a buck. You know, only a dollar a month, and uh, I'll be sure to get you lots of exclusive great information and uh, especially allow you to ask questions. So send me some questions that I can ask the guests. That's kind of cool service, right? Plus, it helps me manage, so I'm not getting these questions from all over the place. But uh, yeah, that way we can interact more, become more of a community, and you can help me out so I can keep doing this stuff because I would like to keep doing it if possible, you know. Uh, anyway. Thank you all for listening. I want to really thank uh, some of the people I usually thank. I want to thank Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music. I want to thank uh, Systematics for the bumper music. Of course, I want to thank you, the listener, for being here. Once again, we have another great show. Physicist Dr. Eric Davis. This is going to be really, really good stuff coming up next week. So be sure to be here. Otherwise, until next time, adios, muchachos.